I don't even need my notes. Oh, yeah. I don't even know what I did with my notebook. Oh, I, I think I put them in the... It's in the bookshelf somewhere. Uh, Is it that one? There's two of the same one. This one's green and the other one's blue. Oh, sorry. They're just like, you know, brothers. Oh, okay. They're not twins. Okay, if you say so. Yeah, I do. I do say so. Okay. Oh, kind of aggressive. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Is this an ASMR video, but with aggressive paper flipping? Yeah, should we? Um, Do you want to just like listen to the theme song real quick so we can oh, was that too loud that was so much was it loud though it was really loud that was better okay i'm gonna turn this down a little touch turn my mic down no both of us i think we're both oh, a little okay. loud i thought Although, maybe if you i just, don't know I, I, thought, just... I thought maybe if you would just get annoyed with me you would just yeah i'll just, just turn just you reach off or just turn my mic down yeah. um oh here our theme song yeah just so we could like get in the mood sure is this all just going on the podcast? Might as well, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, what? <laughs> it's just this unfiltered conversation that we're having. Yeah, I mean, I'll just use some of it. Mm-hmm. Okay. theme song Fun theme song. shout out Courtesy to connor vance, connor vance yeah. who we are crediting at the end of every episode anyway but yes. we can just this is the first time that we're actually hearing yes. the theme song yes. live recording yeah um we really banked a lot of episodes mm-hmm. before posting any of them yeah. So to you guys, you'll be like, why are these crazy fools talking about this theme song like it's brand new? We've already listened to eight episodes of this show or yeah, whatever. Yeah, we have a loyal fan base that listens yeah, to every we... episode about the early Ethan Hawke movies that nobody has seen. Yeah, a loyal fan base of um, my parents who don't yes. understand what podcasts are. They're like, when we tried to play them as part of a one po- like a test podcast, uh-huh. they were like... Is there a video? <laughs> Some podcasts have yeah, but elements. And I was like... Joe Rogan, right? Oh, does That's he? That's what we're going for. Right? Yeah, we're... We're going yeah. for Joe Rogan, Bill Burr, that kind of style. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and I had to tell them, no, there's no video in this podcast. It's like trying to show uh, your parents a meme, you know? Yeah, I, and it's like it's like a radio program. Yeah, exactly. Radio's been around forever. Yeah. It seems like p- 
people would be able to pick up on it right away. My so mom's down with podcasts. My mom listens to podcasts. Oh, she, she does? Listens, what does she listen to? She listens to the Chris Hayes podcast. Oh, nice. Because she doesn't get enough of him during the day. Yeah. But apparently his podcast is not like his show. It's not like... I think it's more like um, a little less daily show and a little more last week tonight. Mm. Where he like picks a single yeah. issue and he goes in deep on it or whatever. Yeah, well, Rachel Maddow has a whole podcast just about, is it Nixon related? Oh, I don't know. She, But she has one long form podcast that's just oh, about really? one subject. Is yeah. it called The Rachel Maddow Show? No, I think it's podcast? called like The Bag Man or something. What? I, hold on, I gotta look it up. Sorry. <laughs> that's quite a name. Uh, there is a. Uh, I know she also has a. Uh, like a different podcast. I think she has there is two. a there is a Nixon podcast called uh, Yeah Bagman, a Rachel Maddow podcast from MSNBC. This is an advertisement for Rachel Maddow now. Yeah, no, this is all just we're we're just hoping to land on the MSNBC network. On the MSNBC network. Did you know that? Did you know that Alec Baldwin had a show on MSNBC? He did. He what? did. Yeah, it was called like it was it had like some sort of like late night type name, and it would be like he would sit down with political it was like you know pop politics basically kind of like what um jfk jr was doing with that magazine that he had george did you ever hear about that magazine no okay jfk jr had a magazine called george and it was basically him it was like it was it was pop politics like it was trying to make politics like fun and sexy for like i guess gen x or whatever um mm-hmm. and so it was supposed to be like a mix of politics and pop culture and it famously had a spread of him naked in it oh. yeah <laughs> <laughs> which is like okay that's politics i guess he is jfk jr um mm-hmm. but what were we just talking about oh so we were talking about rachel maddow's podcast oh, it's about is... spiro agnew spiro oh, agnew yeah I love Spiro. Yeah, so it's a whole podcast just about. Isn't that 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 dragon game? scandal. Spiro, based on. Oh. Spiro the dragon, based on Spiro Agnew. I'm the wrong person to ask about that. Isn't, I was just thinking about Sonic the Hedgehog. A thing. I think it's like a purple dragon. Yeah, that sounds right. S P Y R O. Yeah. They, they must have changed it mm-hmm. so that they wouldn't get sued by this. Yeah, Spiro like at Agnew the beginning estate. of an episode of Law and Order S V U when yeah. they say. Any correlation to a real life person is uh, in your mind. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't rip this straight from the headlines. Straight from the headlines. Yeah. Um. Okay. Well, hello. Welcome to Hawkeyes. Yeah. Thanks for sitting through that five-minute chatter. Fine. We well, we were <laughs> talking about. We is. were just talking about um, the song that we have at the beginning. Yes. 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 How did we get to derailed? Um, oh, because we were talking about how it was new to us and our oh, our followers. Oh, yeah, yeah, Thanks. Yeah. Shouts out to you, listeners. <sighs> yeah. Um, Big ups. So, so t- can you talk a little bit about, like, the theme song and how you, how we got it? Yeah, so I just posted on my Instagram story and also I made a Facebook post and I said, hey, does anyone out there like have any interest in making a theme song for our podcast it's about ethan hawk sounds weird but would be great if you could if anyone wants to contribute and so um our friend connor vance 
uh, messaged me, and he was like, hey, I'd love to submit something. And he submitted a great thing. Yeah. And we have six versions of this theme song that we can um, use for different, some with voice, wow. some, yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. Did you did you send him, like, the first episode so he could splice our voices or whatever? I sent him the second episode. I oh, sent okay. him the one about, um, oh, Captain, my captain, what's that? Oh, Dead yeah. Poets Society. <laughs> the famous one. Clearly, clearly we take the, this, that most beloved Ethan Hawke movie very seriously. Yeah, although I don't know that it's most beloved to everyone. I was recently, I was trying to book a guest for our show, and uh, he said that the only Ethan Hawke movie he had seen was Gattaca. Ethan Hawke said that? No. <laughs> Could <laughs> that you imagine? That would be great. <laughs> That's the only one he saw. Yeah, you know, the only... <laughs> oh my God. I can't believe we've waited this long for you to whip out your Ethan Hawke impression. <laughs> pretty good honestly <laughs> i feel like i've been listening to him so much lately. yeah yeah um, he's really getting into that ethan hawk mode now yeah in I ethan hawk news um this is gonna date us for any of you who follow ethan hawk excuse news. me i'm already dating someone oh hey that's me uh, so yeah i'm at date like in time oh okay um so Ethan Hawke is selling shirts now for his sex black sex hawk whatever records. Yeah, it's, it's like it a record called? label. Yeah. Sex hawk something. It's like three people's names. Yeah, well, Wait, but his sex is not someone's name. It is someone's name. Oh, it is. Yeah. Well, I don't think it's. I think it's sex something. Hold on, man. We really are doing great today. Yeah. It's sex hawk black. I was right. I just had the oh, order wow. wrong. Um, it's. Charlie Sexton, Ethan Hawke, and Lewis Black. Oh. And so... Lewis Black? Like the... No. L-O-U-I-S. Oh, okay. I was thinking of the comedian. Not the comedian. Um, yeah. So that's their uh, record label. And they're selling shirts now. And I'm so excited. I think uh, next paycheck, <laughs> <laughs> do we I'm going to be getting we, one of those shirts. We need shirts. to start making our own merch. We do need to make our own merch. But Just thankfully, all of our friends are graphic designers. Oh, no. So maybe someone will... Another kind soul will be willing to offer their Yeah. Speaking their of uh, creative people. Yeah. Going back to the theme song. Yes, the theme song. It should, should be mentioned that Connor is not just a cool dude who made a theme right. for us. He's a serious He's musician. He's a real, real, real musician. serious musician in a band. They tour. They tour. They're called Dust Bowl Revival. Mm-hmm. And I once found their record at a record shop. So, yeah, no, they're real. They're yeah, like no, big. They're like on Spotify playlists. Like I think they were like the the cover of a Spotify playlist one time. Yeah, that's cool. That's a big deal. And just offered us to make us a song. Yeah, he's he's a great dude. Real you should MVP. go check out Dust Bowl Revival. So if you wherever you stream music. If you hate us, yeah, and you hate Ethan Hawke, but you like Dust Bowl Revival, at least just listen to the first, you know, minute. <laughs> Of our show? Of our show. Yeah, the first 45 seconds just, of our show. You'll love it. Just tune out. Just turn it off. Switch mm-hmm. to something else. Yeah. Switch to NPR. Ira Glass. <laughs> Terry Gross. Terry Gross. Fresh Air. Yeah. Rachel Maddow. I've never listened to Ira Glass's podcast. I haven't either. I feel like such a phony. I know. We're bad podcast. I mean, I listen to so many podcasts all the time. That's all. I'd like stopped listening to music. Mm-hmm. But um yeah i feel like i haven't listened to a lot of the classics like serial mm-hmm. or my favorite murder yeah or um what's that justice one i can't remember why i'm only thinking about crime ones right now because people but, love it people yeah love the crime people ones. do love the crime ones 
Yeah, so I feel like I haven't listened to a lot of the classics, but I do listen to a lot of podcasts. Yeah, I don't really. I don't no. like podcasts. You don't really like podcasts? I don't podcasts? like doing them. I don't like listening to them. That's great. I I'm don't glad like that the we've people that do them. embarked on this together. No, I'm kidding. Podcasts are great. Yeah. What's your fave? What's my fave? Yeah. Hawkeyes. <laughs> What's your favorite <laughs> to listen to that's not ours? Okay. Probably Revisionist History. Oh, okay. Malcolm Gladwell podcast. Nice. Well, that's the one I'm going to say to sound smart. But the one that I'm going to say that I actually listen to the most is called Are You Talking R.E.M. Remy, mm-hmm. which is hosted by Scott Ackerman and Adam Scott. And they talk about R.E.M. albums. Nice. And they make fart jokes and penis jokes. Cute. Yeah. For like an hour and a half. And then they mm-hmm. talk about... And then Scott Ackerman talks about how he doesn't like the R.E.M. song. And Adam Scott's like, what? You don't like the song? <laughs> he gets he gets like really like upset mm-hmm. which like usually i'm on adam scott adam scott's side yeah i think that like people get nostalgic about the music that they like and then they kind of check out which is why a lot of people like later bands later albums by bands people are like oh i'm not into it it's like you just got older like you started listening to different stuff mm-hmm. like a lot of the time it's just as good but um but the fact that Adam Scott thinks Stand by R.E.M. is a good song or Shiny Happy People <laughs> is like, makes me question everything. I think Shiny Happy People, as someone who likes R.E.M., mm-hmm. I think Shiny Happy People might be one of the worst songs ever written. Ever written of any song of all time? Have you heard it? No. It's atrocious. Anyway, um, yeah. Okay, well, should we talk about Ethan Hawke? No. No? no. Okay. Bye. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good, good night, everyone. Good night, everyone. It's, uh, Catch us next week. 10 p.m. It's my bedtime, so. We, we, oh, sorry. You're I'm, timing us. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm timing us. I'm us dating and timing. Yes. Time cop. Yeah, so you can figure out exactly when we did this. Yeah, and where? By the <gasps> triangulating the sounds of the no. cars. Ooh, don't dox us. Yeah, please don't. Because <laughs> um, we're gonna get canceled, like Twitter canceled. Oh, like cancel not like, culture, not <laughs> yeah, like our yeah. podcast. Yeah, Wait. we own the network. Yeah, then the network is just us. Oh, that's not true. By this point, oh, hopefully, yeah. um, our friends Jorge and Nicole from Craving the D will have at least one episode out. We'll see. Um, what if there are kids that want to listen to their podcast? No, it's not for kids. It's not for kids. It's for it's for millennials, millennials. who experienced that Disney era Channel. Of Disney Channel movies. Yeah. Right. When they were children. Um yeah, that's a really fun podcast. I'm guess I'm producing it. Um and they talked about they talked about stuck in the suburbs recently and that was just a good time. Nice. Love those guys, love hearing them talk about stuff from our childhood. Yeah. Yeah. So check that out on our podcast network. On our podcast network, that's unnamed. Unnamed. Ooh, I was thinking unnamed network. No, that's not good. I was kind of thinking a face for radio. A face for radio. Yeah, that's Is cute. That but long? I think we'd have to like, I don't know, check if that someone owned that already. Yeah, true. Just workshop. Tweet us. <laughs> give us. <laughs> yeah, a, tweet at Hawkeye's Pod on Twitter. Yeah, give us or give DM us, us on Instagram. Listen, you know, I'm not. I'm not turning off our our DMs. Yeah. yeah. Oh, once we get like super. <laughs> yeah, famous. once we get really big. No, I'm just kidding. I'll never turn off our DMs. Slide right on in there, kids. Jeez. <laughs> no, please never say those words in that order again with that tone. It was horrible. Um, <sighs> we so, have fun here. Sometimes.
Yeah. Okay. Sorry. We're 16 minutes in now. Perfect. Perfect time to start talking about... A Midnight Clear. A Midnight Clear, which was released in the year 1992. Indeed. This was um, two years before our birth. Wow, don't date us. I'm sorry. I'm extra dating us. I'm trying to Google this movie. (laughs) (laughs) We watched it. It's true. We we honestly watched it. Let me just read the synopsis. Because I was on Instagram the whole time. Um, Midnight Clear, 1992, written and directed by Keith Gordon, starring an ensemble cast that features Ethan Hawke, Gary Sinise, Peter Berg, Kevin Dillon, and Arya Gross. Arya Gross. Arya Gross? Yeah. He must have gotten some some chokes when he was in grade school. That's mean. Gross is a very common last name. Yeah, but his name is, his first name is Arya, so it's like Arya Gross. I don't know, Mm. Arya. You know what I mean? Yeah, I see what you're saying. That's Not that I'm making that joke. I think you. I'm just saying that someone would make that joke, mm-hmm. and it would be me. <laughs> but uh, I'm, you know, a generation removed. Yeah. Um. Yeah. 1992. Did I already say that? Yes, you did. I think did. about three times. Yeah. Um. So yeah, this movie takes place during World World War Two. Sure does. Um, somewhere in Europe. They're not really quite clear on where they are either. Could be Germany, uh, France, Luxembourg. Yeah. Uh, could be anywhere. They're in some snowy hills. It's very snowy. It's. Um, I think that because we watched it on a small screen um, as the sun was setting, so we still kind of had a lot of like outside daylight uh-huh. coming in. It wasn't as... Yeah, well, this is a different day. It wasn't right now. It doesn't matter. Anyway, so um, because we still had, like, daylight coming in and it wasn't, like, pitch black when we were watching, like, it would be if we were in a theater, I feel like it didn't have the same visual impact on us Mm -hmm. that it probably did on viewers in theaters in 1992. Well, uh, about that, I don't know how many viewers we would be talking about because it made $1.5 million to its $5 million budget. That's not good. It bombed. But it got good reviews. Yeah, it did get good reviews. I looked up our usual suspects. Mm -hmm. uh, Roger Ebert. Yeah. um, And Vincent Canby of the New York Times. Gotta love that guy. And uh, (laughs) I guess you don't. uh, I I enjoy him. And um, I also checked Washington Post. Nice. And they all had very positive reviews of this movie. Um, which I thought was interesting because I feel that Vincent Canby especially can be pretty harsh. I've cited him in previous episodes. He was not a fan of Dad, for sure. Yeah. Um, uh, so it was interesting to see that they all had such a strong positive review of the film. Should we talk a little bit about what happens in the movie? Sure. Uh, well, should we mention... A little bit more background on it. Yeah, go for it. So the director Keith Gordon. Wow, my mouse is doing a really weird thing. <laughs> it's turned into like an arrow. It's pointing this way. Uh huh. Yeah, I like pointing. Do I like doing visual things? Yeah, it's good that this is such a visual medium. Anyway, so Keith Gordon, I had not heard of him before. His best known director credit on IMDb is Midnight Clear. So, and then he, there's a movie called Walking the Dead, not to be confused with The Walking Dead, with Jennifer Connelly and 
Billy Crudup. Oh, I like Billy Crudup. Crudup? Crudup? Yeah, Crudup. Okay, well, I believe you. Uh, can I close this now? Uh, and then Mother Night. And then the other stuff that he's known for is TV shows. So he did six episodes of Homeland, mm. one episode of Legion, four episodes of Fargo, one episode of Better Call Saul, three episodes of The Leftovers, two episodes of Nurse Jackie, uh, Masters of Sex, et cetera, oh, et cetera. Dexter. All... He did 10 episodes of Dexter. So he does a lot of TV. He's done a lot of TV since pretty then. Pretty high-end television shows. Pretty acclaimed things. Yeah. Maybe he realized that movies were not his. Yeah. Uh, were not working out for him, at least financially. Yeah. So yeah, let's let's dig in. What happens in this movie? Yeah, so it's about um, a squadron of men um, from the American forces during World War II. Mm-hmm. They started out at twelve, but when we meet them, there are only six of them left. Yeah, and one of them is Ethan Hawke. Yes, and he is the. It is listed as an ensemble cast, but he's definitely the main. Well, he, well, okay, I guess, he at least does the... I guess not all... Like, Morgan Freeman does the voiceover in that one movie, Million Dollar Baby. He's not the main character, but, like... Yeah, but this but is does, really from yeah, yeah. his perspective. Yeah, it is. Um, and, yeah, his character's name is Will Not, and they yeah. call him Won't, yeah. which is kind of funny. Yeah. Um, But, well, what was interesting to me about this was... That it is based on a book, which and it feels like it's it really feels like it's based yeah. on a book because of the voiceover narration and how really like it feels really first person, like yeah. a first person account of being in war, and um, it's based on a book by um, William Wharton. William Wharton, and when I saw that name, I thought, oh, that sounds familiar, so I clicked on it. And he also wrote the novel that Dad was based on. No kidding. Yeah, kidding. No, I'm not kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I had no um, idea. Yeah, so That's he a fun played... Fact. Is that the fun fact you wanted to tell that me? That is the fun fact I wanted to tell you. Yeah, I really hyped this up yesterday. No, that is fun. That's, that um, is fun. But yeah, it's... It, I guess there's a, there's a through line, clearly, to Ethan Hawke's roles. I think we've seen that so far. I mean, just... Because of his age, and I think probably because of the kinds of parts that attracted him, uh, there's a there's kind of a follow through in his parts, um, but it's so strong that he played a main part in a movie based on the book of the same guy twice. Yeah. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. Wow. Uh, apparently, the movie tracks pretty closely. Well, according to like one of the reviews, I didn't read the book, but according to one of the reviews that the movie tracks pretty closely with the book that it's Mm -hmm. like pretty much screen to page to screen yeah page to screen page to screen uh and that they changed like one of the characters names or something and that was like more or less it Mm -hmm. but yeah it opens with a voiceover and when i first started that i was kind of like yeah it was so i really movie with a voiceover yeah but we've we've only watched like five movies and i feel like Okay, Mystery Date had one, right? Yeah. It did. Uh, did... Ex- Explorers didn't. No, I don't think so. Did Did White Fang have? I don't think so. I'm not sure. It might have. It might, White Fang might have. It might have. I could see it having one. Yeah. If it didn't, it felt like it did. 
And did uh, did Dead Poet Society have one? No, but he is the one that first did Oh Captain, My Captain. So that feels similar spiritually. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it starts with him with voiceover, and he's talking about how the, the 12, his crew of 12 is now six. Mm-hmm. And basically he's complaining about this guy, this um, the officer who's played by... Gary Sinise. No, oh no, sorry. Sims, the guy from Scrubs. Yeah, Dr. Cox from Scrubs. Yeah, what is his name? John C. McGinley? Yeah. Yeah. Who plays Major Griffin. Um, looks exactly the same as he does in... Yeah, he's like ageless. Yeah. It's pretty incredible. Uh, so he plays the Major Griffin who is like... he, he Basically, he keeps sending them on these uh, terrible reconnaissance missions that keep resulting in them losing more and more of their men. And so Ethan Hawke is basically complaining about that. And what happens? Oh, and uh, you it starts off with him and Gary Sinise's character, who's referred to as Mother. Um, what, what Were you clear on why that was? I assumed he just took care of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he that he was a little older, older a little there was more experienced. So much voiceover. Yeah, there was a lot of voiceover that it was that hard, it was hard for to any keep of, track it to... of all of it. Yeah, but um, basically, he's kind of not right, totally. Yeah, well, it turned out that his um, his wife was pregnant when he left for the war, and when she delivered the baby, it was a stillborn. Yeah, and so he got news of that, and he had, I think, what he called like a nervous. A, a panic attack maybe mm-hmm. in the movie i can't remember the terminology he used for it but um and he t- he strips off all of his clothes in the snow it's like dead of winter in europe yeah and he he runs and and just he runs naked and screams yeah and it's a pretty intense scene and you so you know that he's not ex- totally he's right. not really fit yeah and serve. Ethan Hawke keeps trying to he tr- he's like trying to like naively find a way for him to get dismissed but mm-hmm. he Gary Sinise's character knows that it's not really gonna work yeah so they're told by a major griffin to go to this house in this village and they have to like hold their position there and basically like look for Germans yeah and he asks him, well, do we know if there are any Germans there? And he's like, well, that's what you have to find out or whatever. And they go to, like, a town, and they're, like, trying to find... Before they do that, they're, like, trying to go to find prostitutes. Oh, is that, bef- that? Is that just before that? I thought that was, or like, was a flashback oh. to when they were still in the U.S. Because the girl was American. You're right. I thought, yeah, I think that's a flashback to before they were shipped off. Okay. Yeah, it's like a weird scene. They're it is like, a weird scene, and it's not exactly clear when it's happening. Yeah. But yeah, so like four of the men. Uh, part of one of the things in the narration is that 11 of the 12 men in the squad are virgins. Mm-hmm. And so a group of them are trying to find a prostitute that will sleep with them before they ship off. And they end up finding this young woman whose boyfriend had died at war yeah and so she wanted to have sex with them to like give them that because she knew they were about to go off to war yeah and because she was sad about yeah about the boyfriend dying and i guess just kind of pretending that he that they were yeah kind of just imagining that the yeah you know the soldiers were her soldier 
Yeah. Yeah. So that happens, but that's that's a flashback. Okay, gotcha. I think. Anyway, and I don't think all. I don't know if all of those men actually make it to. Oh, this you might be right. In the movie. It's hard to keep people. It is people hard. Apart. Yeah, they're all really similar-looking white guys. <laughs> I thought Just one like of in, them. Just like in Dead Poets Society. Yeah. Oh, that one. I feel like I've watched that movie so many times oh, though gosh. that it's really clear to me who's who. But um, in this one, I felt like there was one guy in particular that when they were both wearing their helmets, he and Ethan Hawke had such similar faces that in certain scenes I couldn't even tell if it mm. was not Ethan mm-hmm. Hawke. Also, there's a scene where he references, where Ethan Hawke references Walt Whitman. Again. What did he... He must have been in another In Mystery Date. He must have referenced Walt Whitman. Oh, it must have in Dead Poets Society, too. I feel so sure that he Oh, Dead Poets Society, 100%. I just, I was like, he probably just, any script that references Walt Whitman, he's like, I'll do it. (laughs) So when they're on their way to this house, um, where they're going to set up and see if they're check for Germans... Um, they come across these two soldiers that are dead. Yeah. Um, they appear to be frozen, like they died in the snow and froze the way they were, except for they were stood up like they were hugging, and one of yeah. them was a German soldier and one of them was an American soldier. Yeah. And they are all, like, really weirded out and confused by it. Yeah. And I was confused by it, too, when I was watching. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what was going on either. Yeah, I didn't really realize what was going on until later, and then I edited my notes. <laughs> <laughs> so they hear activity in the cemetery. So, okay, so they get to the house. Mm-hmm. They set up there. It's, like, really quiet. They're just kind of, like, hanging out, dancing. They're just, like, chilling, basically. Yeah. But then every night, like, you know, they're required to stand watch or whatever. And Ethan Hawke and the other guy, who... I don't remember his name. Which one? I don't know. He was the one that was, like, Jewish. Oh, Ari Gross. Okay, yeah. Um, a Stan. Yeah. Stan Schutzer. They hear activity. There's, like, German voices. Mm-hmm. And they radio back to their officer, and the officer says, like, oh, you have to find them. Yeah. And they're trudging around in the snow, and they find the encampment where the Germans are. And they have, basically, they have them, like, pinned. Like, they could basically, like, take them down if they wanted to because they're hiding and they could see all of them. And they mm-hmm. could, like, shoot them if they wanted to. But they decide not to. And so Ethan Hawke is sort of like, why did we not do it? Why did we not shoot them when we could have? And then he was thinking earlier about when the Germans, he heard the German voices. Yeah. And they're like, they probably could have hit us, but they didn't. Yeah, and this happens a number of times. I think yeah. there are... It happens once again. Three, yeah, they have three encounters where they could have easily killed each other but didn't. Yeah, and this is where it starts to get weird. Start to, starts to get weird. They uh, basically come to a clearing in the snow and they see three Germans mm-hmm. that are there and there's just the two of them and the three Germans have their guns trained on them and then they... Oh, no, there's three of them. You're right. Sorry. There's the three Americans and the three Germans, but the three Germans have them all pinned. Um, And they basically, like, you know, put up their arms and, like, surrender, and they're, like, screaming because they're freaking out. They think that they're going to get shot. Mm -hmm. And then the Germans just, like... Leave. Vanish, basically. Yeah, and they had also created a... Oh, and so at this point, Ethan Hawke loses. This is, like, seems minor, but it comes back later. Ethan Hawke loses his map 
and something else. Mm-hmm. And so um, later they come back and there's this like Hitler snowman that the Germans have yeah. created. And the snowman is holding the map and it has a location on it where they are suggesting that they meet. Yeah. And what happened earlier is that one of the guys had made, he had made a Hitler snowman that was like basically saying like fuck Hitler or whatever. Mm, he I... he built a snowman and he like hoped the Germans would find it like as a joke basically. Oh, he... I thought that the, he was saying that the Germans had made it. Oh, really? Yeah. No, I don't think so. I think oh. he made it and then they made one too. Oh, okay. Maybe I'm wrong. I Yeah, I just kind of thought it was the same snowman because I thought he mentioned that the Germans had made a fuck Hitler snowman. And that's that's one of the reasons why they felt they could trust them. Yeah. I'm not sure though, but I I think so. Yeah, I'm not sure. I thought that I thought that he had made one and then they made one too. But I could be wrong. We'll never know. Uh listeners, if you have seen this movie, I hope you are watching these movies along with us to get the full experience. Um if you watched the movie, and know who made the Hitler snowman, or if there was one Hitler snowman or two, mm-hmm. uh, please email us at hawkeyespod at gmail.com. <laughs> or, as I said earlier, slide into those DMs. Yeah. Just let us know. Uh, but yeah, the Germans build... So there's a scene, I think before they see the snowman, there's the snowball fight. Yeah. Yeah, so so the um, Ethan Hawke and the other guy... What's his name again? Um, Stan. Stan. They're camped out. They're holding watch. And they hear the German voices again. They look up. And I think that's when they see the snowman. But they don't go and look at it mm-hmm. until the morning. Yeah. And then they, like, start getting hit with snowballs. Yeah. So they have this, like, snowball. They think it's a grenade, but it's just, like, a snowball attached to a stick. And they start having this snowball fight, basically, with the Germans. And then the Germans run away. And then the next morning they see the snowman and it has the map. And Stan says that he thinks that it's indicating that the Germans want to surrender. Mm-hmm. And Ethan Hawke is totally not down. He's like, no, they must be setting up a trap. And Stan's like, no, if they were setting up a trap, they could have killed us two or three times. Why are they doing this now? Mm-hmm. And so eventually, and you know, he's kind of straight-laced soldier. Um, but he eventually kind of agrees, like, okay, fine, let's go meet them, because they have the map that you mentioned, and they go to meet them in this clearing in the woods, and... Yeah, and then they arrange an elaborate plan for... So the Germans are worried about surrendering without looking... But, like, looking like they didn't put up a fight. Yeah. So they come up... And there's a language barrier because on the American side, they only have one guy that speaks Yiddish, which is not quite the same as German. Right. Um, There's a lot of overlap, but it's not the same. But even with this language barrier, they try to hatch the scheme to make it look like the Germans did put up a fight. Mm Mm-hmm. So that's uh, set to happen the next day. But they don't want to include Mother in this plan, Mother Gary right. Sinise's character, right. because he's so unhinged. Yeah. They don't know how he'll react in that situation. So they basically just don't tell him at all, right? Yeah. yeah. They don't tell him, which is their downfall. Yes. <laughs> downfall. Have you seen that movie? No. No, it's really good. It's, like, very long. 
It's about Hitler's final days in the bunker before he kills himself. Wow. Also, I think earlier they the Germans had built like a Christmas tree. Yeah, and they sing Christmas carols. They sing Christmas carols, and that's when they realize they shouldn't include Mother because he's like, I can't deal with this type of war. Either we keep out of each other's way or we kill each other. Yeah. Like, I can't do this kind of thing. Um, and they, they have like a scene where they put a grenade on the Christmas tree and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so they set up this plan... They set up. They set it up in the shed, basically. Yeah, where the Germans are staying in where a the shed are, that's yeah. just off a little bit from where the house is. Yeah, and so they, two of the Americans stand with the Germans to basically, so that they're not to coordinate timing. Yeah, yeah. And they're just gonna shoot up into the air. Yeah. So that there are rounds scattered all over, um, so it looks like there was a big shootout. Yeah. 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 And the Germans, there's like five young, very young guys, and there's one older guy. Mm-hmm. And I think they're basically like, they know the war, because this is like 1944, they know the war is coming to an end. Yeah. They don't want to die before it ends. They want it to just like get captured and then have the war end. Mm-hmm. And he was saying that they're, they weren't Nazis, that they were just regular German soldiers that they got, that they became. Yeah, you conscripted. Know, that they had to, yeah. And so they set up this skirmish. And this is sort of tense scene they start like firing in the air they like take turns firing in the air because they want to leave some shells so that it looks like there was some shooting happening and so they're firing in the air and everything's going well until all of a sudden gary sinise's character mother runs down the hill and he shoots one of the germans oh you don't even you don't see him at first you just see like one of the germans Mm -hmm. get shot shot. like fall over yeah. And you see it's Gary Sinise, and then the other guy runs over to him and tells him, like, stop shooting, and he gets shot while he's he running gets over. Shot because the Germans have started shooting back because, you know, they don't know what's going on. Yeah, exactly, on. yeah. And then so it basically everyone just starts shooting each other. Yeah. Uh, and then all of the Germans die, and then there's, like, four, I think, of the Americans left. Uh, yeah, except for one of them's injured. Right. One of them gets injured because they were standing with Stan. The, he gets shot by the uh, the older German guy who coordinated this whole plan. Yeah. And I think that so the Americans were like standing higher on the hill. So I think they had like more of a it was easier for them to like shoot them than it was for mm-hmm. the Germans to shoot back. Yeah, and so uh, the one that d- goes and runs to tell Gary Sinise to stop shooting, they call him Father, mm-hmm. um, because he was, I think, studying to be a priest. Mm-hmm. And so he gets he gets shot, and he's dying, and Ethan Hawke holds him as he's dying. And then Father says, don't tell Mother, right? because he doesn't want Gary Sinise's character to... To know what happened. Yeah, to know that it was his fault that they all died there. Yeah, yeah. Because that would be just too much. Yeah. So Ethan Hawke comes up with a story that they're going to continue to tell yeah. everyone who asks what yeah. happened. And so then after that, Major Griffin comes to the camp. Because mm-hmm. they, phoned, they phoned him and they're like, oh, we're going to capture some Germans. And they're like, oh, do you want us to send back up? They're like, no, because they have this plan. They obviously yeah. can't have anyone else there. Um, and then the whole plan goes awry. A bunch of people die. And so Major Griffin basically just scolds them and says like oh you fucked up big time and basically orders them to like he basically orders them to just die he like tells them to hold this post in the house even though he knows that germans are coming yeah and are gonna blow up everything and kill them and he's like oh that's fucked up 
But he's like, what are you going to do? And then he takes, Major Griffin takes the chains, because it's all snowy. He takes the chains from Ethan Hawke's Jeep. So they have two Jeeps still, one with chains and one without. Mm -hmm. So if they're going to have to try to make their escape, they're going to have to do it with one of the Jeeps that doesn't have chains. And so they, they're basically just sitting around waiting. They like take a bath. They all take a bath. Like They set up a bath in front of the fireplace and all take baths before the Germans show up. Yeah, there's just something about, like, Ethan Hawke taking a bath in the middle of this, like, giant old living room in front of the fire, like, during the middle of World War II. That was just a lot <laughs> to, to take yeah. in. Yeah. And also, the, okay, the score throughout this movie was, like, this kind of, like, ambient mm-hmm. kind of symphonic noise. I feel like I didn't even register it. It kind of felt like, I I guess it just kind of felt like the like eerie silence of snowy. No, there was Europe. a score. There was a score. It was uh, like this ambient score. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so anyway, the Germans show up after they after their night of bathing together, uh, and they basically both hop in the jeeps, and. Make oh, off excuse me. <laughs> the one with the one without chains uh, crashes, so they all pile into the one with chains. So they mm-hmm. they do manage to get away from the Germans. Yeah, and they take and they take father with them, the father's corpse. Right. Yes. This is important for the yes. escape. That's true. And they don't know where they're going. Basically, there's one scene. They're like, mm-hmm. they're asking what to do because Ethan Hawke. I don't think we mentioned this, but Ethan Hawke is in charge of. Yeah, them. he's become. He's the sergeant. Yeah, now that everyone has basically died. Yeah, he became the sergeant, so he's in charge. He's the one making all these decisions, and they drive off, and they're like, "We could be heading straight for Berlin," and he's like, "It doesn't matter. Like, we just have to keep going," and so they head down this road, and there's a scene in which, they like drive up the road, and you can still hear their car. And it comes back off. around. And it comes and back just around. Gone in a little circle. They've gone in like a tiny little circle, and they decide, okay, we'll just go the other way, um, which was kind of like, just like a funny moment. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was the kind of thing that I did think was strong about this movie was that even though they were in the middle of a horrible, bloody war, yeah, uh, there were still like there were moments that felt really real. Like, sometimes humorous, sometimes really dark. But there yeah. were a lot of very real moments. Yeah. Throughout. But also, but it was also kind of surreal. Like, I don't think I've ever seen a war movie that was as surreal as this one was. Mm-hmm. Like, it was real in the sense that, like, a lot of the things felt real. But a lot of the plot points were kind of surreal. Like, the, like, you know, the when, they're, when, they, when they come upon the German and the American that are frozen in place. Yeah. Like, that's not that's something true. that would, like... Or, like, when they have the Christmas... I mean, that's the thing that has happened. But, like, yeah, when he, well, put, when he hangs movie. the grenade on the Christmas tree, like, it just feels very kind of, like, surrealist in a way. And there's the scene where the Germans are standing out in the clearing and facing them. They don't, like, walk away. They they literally disappear. Yeah. Like, you look back. They, like, look down and they look back and the Germans have straight up vanished. Mm-hmm. Like... There's a lot of moments in the movie where you kind of realize, like, okay, this is kind of not normal. Like, this is not all really happening necessarily. I mean, it is, but, like, it's surreal. Well, it kind of reminded me of um, Slaughterhouse-Five, which I never finished reading. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh, yeah. In that it was a reflection 
on yeah. World War Two. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people, and similar to, did you see that J.D. Salinger movie with me, the biopic with Nicholas Holt? Yeah, I don't know. Okay, well, there was a J.D. Salinger biopic, and he was also in World War Two, and it was, like, I feel like a lot of the way that World War Two was written about by people that were in it, because a lot of writers came out of that period. Yeah. Um, it, it's tied by this kind of surreal real as like you know right yeah kind of way of looking at it of processing what happened yeah so this felt kind of related to all of those yeah because there's like the scene where they're in the where they're holding watch and they hear the voices from the graveyard and like you can't see them at all they're just like voices basically yeah the whispering whispering and like the let's wait for this vehicle to pass we even close these they were closed earlier because of oh, riverdale okay. uh anyway dating ourselves further tonight <laughs> was the riverdale season three finale it was great it was um, it was pretty good it was yeah i, I can't can't complain yeah chad michael murray is a real freak yeah <laughs> i would rather watch him dismember teenagers than have to watch him like flirt with flirt Peyton. with peyton <laughs> um for those of you that don't know we've watched all of one tree hill yeah wanna be anything other than what i've been trying to be lately did ethan hawk ever do any tv shows he was on an episode of alias oh oh okay yeah talk about i this. have that on my list but i, I don't thinking... know if we're gonna do it because i don't i don't know well we might have we could have um friend of the show lauren bresnahan on nice uh because she's watched all of alias she's a big fan so she could be a valuable um expert well we can do a combination of like sh- sh- brief appearances by Ethan Hawke. We could have an episode where we have like brief, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like the one that you were talking about earlier. Quiz show. Yeah, where he only appears for one line. Yeah, and another one that's kind of. Or we could just have it be like a two minute episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we just say like oh, what his line was. It's like, oh, it was pretty good. All right, yeah. bye. Put it on the Patreon. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And people have to pay for it. <laughs> yeah, $50 put it behind the for this two minute. Maybe fifteen dollars. I think we'll just do. No, like, it's expensive. Yeah. This equipment's expensive. I mean, yeah. Well, you know. You paid for it. Yeah. Um, We're gonna get some some revenue from. Uh, I should be charging, craving the D, to use our equipment. <laughs> um, yeah. We just need some sponsors. Yeah. Well, we'll get there. Mattress people. Yeah, I think maybe by the time we're on Ethan Hawke's seventieth movie, someone will have listened to this. Yeah, hopefully. Um, what were we? Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, another movie that I was thinking. I don't know how we're. It's going to be a different kind of episode. I think we should do a whole episode on it though. Is Blaze, because he made it. Yeah, I think he if he directs it, it yeah. Like he- features heavily in it i think if he directs it we yeah have but to you never see it. his face yeah but you see the back of his head and hear his voice yeah his so... voice is so distinctive yeah all right i need to pee okay i'll pause get more co- get more cozy oh and we're back that was an ad but for quip squarespace or hello fresh all at once all at once sponsor us guys because you brush your teeth you get some food, and then you brush yeah. your teeth, and you're like, I might as well make a website while I'm eating. Yeah. Who doesn't make websites while they eat? Well, because you, can, you can't just eat anymore. Yeah. 
This is my rant of no, millennials. No, you can't just You can't eat. just eat anymore. You have to always be on your phone. Yeah. Speaking of, I don't know what I did with my phone. It's here somewhere. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Blaze, he directed it. Yeah. So we are we going to do his books? I think we should. Yeah, okay. I hope there are audiobooks because <laughs> reading is a struggle for me. Well, maybe I'll I'll record an audiobook as I read them. <gasps> wow, that would be so fun. Yeah, it took forever. It would. Yeah, they're long. Although I don't think his books are that long, but audiobooks get long. I hope they're good. I hope they are too. I think the first one of them is supposed to be pretty good, at least mm-hmm. from the review. I can't. Remember apparently, which one. apparently, Graham Norton wrote a book. Oh. And it's supposed to be like a novel. Uh-huh. It's like a story about like a small town or whatever. It has nothing to do with like... With being Graham Norton. With being Graham Norton. Yeah. yeah. It's not like one of those like... Memoir. And it, it was received like very well. Interesting. It was like got rave reviews. And I think usually... I think that's kind of hard to do if you're... I feel like it's hard to be taken seriously by like critic, uh, like literary critics. If, if you're, you're really known for something else. Yeah. Like acting because, or Because there's so many like of those bad books that are like written by like celebrities or whatever. Mm-hmm. And sometimes celebrities, like, sometimes celebrities just want to write a novel, you know? Yeah. And it's kind of cool. I know Craig Ferguson, I think, also wrote a novel. Hmm. It's supposed to be good. So. Yeah, happens. no, I'm sure, I'm sure it'll be good. Yeah. He's a creative man, Ethan Hawke. And I think that on top of just being creative himself, like, he spent so much time with Richard Linklater. Yeah. And I feel like there's a lot of um, kind of merging of their... Or not merging, but I think they rubbed off on each other. Yeah. Because Sean Penn recently wrote a book, and it was received so poorly. He just has, like, an essay in it where he just complains about the Me Too movement. Yeah, well, because... Do you know what he did? Yeah, Yeah. I do, yeah. Yeah. Um, So... (laughs) What? Nothing. Segue. Yeah, so basically... (laughs) They make their escape from the Germans, and the Jeep dies. They're stranded. They don't know where they are. Mm-hmm. The only thing they can really do is just, like, either wait to be killed or try to find a way to get back to something. Yeah. So Ethan Hawke hatches a plan that's pretty out there. Yeah. And he doesn't want to just, like, make them do it, so they do take a vote. Um, and the plan is to put on their like white snow camouflage yeah. sheets um and they they pour some blood out of father's mouth to be to be look like red paint and they put um red crosses on so they look like they're medics yeah they use the blood from his yeah from him from his mouth i think they tip him over yeah and, and they smear the it's blood pretty on gnarly that. yeah um, but yeah, and then they carry him. They just carry him, and they walk as until they find Americans. Yeah. Yeah. So there's just a scene of them walking, and then they just happen upon Americans, and they're like, you know. Yeah. Hey, and then they take him in. Uh, basically, the sort of attitude was that, generally speaking, the attitude was that, um, you you don't kill medics mm-hmm. when they're. So they pretended to be medics and they gave up their guns and all that stuff and they made it to the Americans. And I guess at the end of it, because I kind of missed the ending because the, the lieutenant is explaining to them what's 
going to happen. Uh, it says that not oh, yeah. is informed that Wilkins, who is Gary Sinise's character, mother, has mm-hmm. been recommended for the Bronze Star because yeah. the story they told was that he saved everyone. Yeah, that yeah they would have been dead without yeah, him. Yeah, they would have been dead without him, which he knows is not the case. He doesn't know that it was all, uh, as we discussed, he doesn't know that it was all like a ploy, mm-hmm. that, they're, that they were setting up a fake shootout. But he does know that he didn't save them. Yeah. Because he says, oh, I only fired two shots. Yeah, and my glass is fogged up. I couldn't yeah, even see what yeah. was going on. So he only killed one of the Germans. He missed his other shot. And then uh, and then the rest of the shootout happened without him. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the story they tell. And so Not is told that Wilkins has been recommended for the Bronze Star and transferred to the motor pool. Not sure what that means. While the rest of the squad will be sent into the front line as regular infantry. But they do make it out because there's an after credits. Or not yeah. after credits. An after, yeah. Yeah, after the Before the credits, before after credits, the movie. Yeah, where they sort of say what happened to them. And... Oh, yeah, but I think even before before that, though, what I thought was pretty striking was how the, the movie ended, like, visually. Mm-hmm. It was just a really slow zoom in on Ethan Hawke's face. Yeah. Just reminding you that this is, like, his story. Yeah. With the camera. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. So they all do make it out, basically. And the 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 story ends with, basically, earlier in the movie, Mother tells uh, Ethan Hawke that he's like, we're not going to make it out of this. And Ethan Hawke's like, I promise you we will. I'll bet you $100. And he says, well, who has $100? He's like, you can pay me in increments or whatever. And basically talks about for 10 years, he received a $10 check and a card. A Christmas card? Yeah, Christmas, not a check. $10 bill and a Christmas card. It was like not, there wasn't even a word in it. It was just Yeah, no return address. No return address. And then after he got his $100, he never heard from him again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then one of the other guys in the squad disappeared. Yeah. And then the last one married that pros- that woman that slept with them all. Yeah. In before the war or before right. they went off to right. war. Yeah. Yeah, so kind of a little depressing, but Yeah. Um should we talk Ethan Hawke lines? Sure. There were a few that pretty stood out to me as being pretty hawk-like. Yeah. Oh, do you have any hawk facts? I do, yeah. Okay. Do well, you want to do that? I don't know. Do you, uh, well, I'll, I'll do my lines first, and then we sure. can. Sure. Yeah. So, um, Line. <laughs> the first one. Uh, that, I can be an actor. You can be an actor. That's all it is, isn't it? Line. Line. Yeah, that's just it. Like, just like from far away. Line. Line, 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 line. Line. Yeah. Hey! What's my line? What's my line? Line. Whose line is it anyway? Yeah. Um, so the first one that really struck me was, he said, nobody admits anyone from our side is killed. They're lost, like Christopher Robin, which just felt so, yeah. like, I can't even put words to it. Hawk-like. No, I, we should put words to it. I'm going to go through my lines, though, first. Okay, yeah, let's hear them. Um, and then the next one I have was, I think this one might be the most Hawk. Are we recording? Yeah, we're recording. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I press play. Okay. Um, he says, I'm having my usual trouble noticing how beautiful the world is just when it might, when I might be leaving it. Yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, 
And then the last one is, he says, I had never seen a better smile. And that was about um, Mother at some point, kind of towards the end. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not, I can't entirely remember the context, but I don't know that that one was like so much... I think it was just his delivery of the line. He was really deep in his Ethan Hawke tone. Yeah. Sometimes, like, sometimes these Ethan Hawke lines are about ideas, like, about beauty or, like, nihilism or uh, meaning. I think, like, meaning, like, pondering on meaning, I think, Mm -hmm. is one of the big Ethan Hawke themes. Would you agree? Yeah, certainly. Yeah, so I think that, um, for me, the biggest Ethan Hawke line of the movie was the one about noticing the beauty in the world. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Um, yeah, did you have any standout lines? No, no, I had a, I had a hard time recording the lines. I was just kind of trying to follow what's going on. Yeah, there was a uh, lot in this movie. Just Maybe just when he quotes Walt Whitman. No, he doesn't even quote Walt Whitman. He just, like makes fun of him for like oh who are you Walt Whitman or something that mm. was kind of the line he had so it wasn't actually like he wasn't exactly referencing it mm-hmm. yeah so is it time for a hawk fact sure <coughs> well so I wanted to look into um, birds hawks or birds yeah <laughs> and uh, World War Two. oh okay so something I learned that was interesting is that okay, it's not warhawks. No, a warhawk is like a person who pushes for war. Yeah. So I was looking for that. I was like, oh, hawk, World War Two, and then it was like, these are the people that made World War Two happen. Um. But so I looked up birds. Uh huh. And basically, they would use in World War One and World War Two they would use pigeons. Mm-hmm. as like for like messages so they would have like important intelligence would be sent by pigeons mm-hmm. so for example in world war one such was the importance of pigeons that over a hundred thousand were used in the war an astonishing success rate of 95 percent getting to their destination with their message so these pigeons could navigate yeah. without getting killed just cool pretty cool and so they were used in world war ii as well mm-hmm. so there were pigeons that were coming from europe to mainland UK. Mm, wow. Yeah, quite a Quite trek. a distance. Yeah. yeah. They were delivering, I guess from like France, if they're going from France to London. Yeah, people swim the channel, whatever. It still seems far. Yeah. These pigeons, we're, we're, I'm not trying to short these yeah, pigeons. They're them, working hard. Yeah, credit where credit's due. Yeah, pigeons. Uh, so the pigeons were returning from Europe with vital information and... Some of the pigeons would get killed by hawks and mm-hmm. falcons. So basically, <laughs> the pigeons were returning from Europe and they were getting killed by hawks and um, falcons. Oh, this does tie into hawks. It does, yeah. Yeah, because I knew pigeons wouldn't be good enough. Yeah, I was like, cool pigeon fact segment. But it's about hawks. You have little faith. Yeah, I'm sorry. So these pigeons were returning from Europe, and they were getting killed by these hawks, and the British were like, we have to do something about this because these pigeons are carrying this valuable information. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they weren't entirely sure about these hawks because they're like, 
These could just be regular birds that are just killing pigeons. Mm -hmm. But they thought that some of the hawks might be trained by Germans. Yeah. So the Germans might be training hawks to pick off these pigeons in the UK because they said that they would see these... There were wild hawks, perigene falcons on the British coast, and they would kill some of the pigeons coming back. Mysterious hawks spotted in Dorset, owned by suspicious characters who had links to Germany before the war. Mm. And basically, the MI5 were required to do something about these birds. So they would set up either they would set up traps for them, and they would capture them, or the ones that they couldn't capture, they would shoot basically. Mm-hmm. So there's this MI5 team that was going around trying to hunt hawks just so that they could get their pigeons home safely. Wow. It's pretty interesting. It's a good hawk fact. Yeah. Very pertinent. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. It's a very, it's kind of interesting article, Telegraph. Uh, we'll share it in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and so they would use... So the British did the same thing. A team of MI5 officers spent a summer on the Sicily Isles on the golf course with hawks on their wrists trying to catch German pigeons. Hmm. Yeah. So they would would use the the hawks to catch pigeons. Mm -hmm. The pigeons were crucial for the war effort. Huh. This is interesting. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just re- I'm finishing this article now. Uh-huh. Um that the British hawks never caught any German pigeons. It's funny. <laughs> Did not do a great job. Yeah. There you go. They were the, described as the only MI5 team with a license to kill. Oh, funny. Birds. Not 007 though. That's MI6. Oh, I forgot. It's like NSA versus CIA. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. Technically, the MI6 doesn't exist. Yeah, wink. For, yeah, listeners at home. Solid wink. I winked. It's like one of those things that you know is there but isn't there. Oh, MI6, yeah. Yeah, or something. I don't know. But that might be be not true. (laughs) Maybe I made that up. Who knows? I winked again. Okay, you have to stop winking. (laughs) It's getting weird. You're weird. Uh, okay. So what did we? What, what were we talking about? Um, did you like this movie? I did. Cool. I did like it. I thought it was pretty good. I think I might have enjoyed it the most of the movies we've seen so far. Of all the movies we've seen so far, I think this is pretty high ranked. I might like yeah. Dead Poets Society more though. Sure, sure, sure. I just think it was. It was among the better war movies i've seen yeah i did feel like some parallels to other war movies like platoon yeah um and i mean with uh you know specifically with the way that they called um the two characters mother and father yeah uh because charlie sheen's character in platoon and he's like the child of elias and barnes that's kind of his mm-hmm. his narrative not that ethan hawk has that exact same relationship to them but it did it definitely reminded me of that i didn't realize you remembered platoon so well i've seen it like five times i thought you fell asleep each time 
Yeah, but, you know, I caught... But some information seeped in. Yeah. Yeah. Specifically that line, you know, mm-hmm. about being the child of Elias and Barnes. Yeah. Um, and that thousand-yard stare and... Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then also you know, Saving Private Ryan, obviously. Was, yeah. Oh, does that come out? What year did Saving Private Ryan come out? I feel like it has to have been after this. I feel like it had to be after, yeah. 1998. 98, so yeah. So, a few years later. So, yeah, but um, definitely still, like, then there's there are some similarities between this movie and that one. Um, yeah. I feel like specifically, that's another movie I fell asleep. I'm really bad at staying awake during war movies. Just something about the violence puts me to sleep. Yeah. It's comforting. Well, to I me. thought I thought th- that's what I thought. That's kind of the thing that I liked so much about this movie is that it was most of the movie is about like this kind of quiet. You don't really see this that much in war movies, but it's like mm-hmm. this sort of quiet tension between conflict. Yeah, it, it mostly centers around like until the very end when the Germans come after the house that they're in. Mm-hmm. It's mostly about like the absence of violence, like it's only alluded to really in the beginning you hear about like them losing half of their squad and then in the end there's the shootout between them mm-hmm. and the germans rolling in but most of the movie is like sort of this just quiet tension between them and the germans and trying to figure out what they're trying to do and the sort of surreal aspect of like that they're all just people and they're just trying to stay alive basically that it's not so much about, like, the direct conflict and the direct violence that so many war movies are about, or, like, you mm-hmm. know. And I think that's what makes the violent moments in this movie so much more effective. Because, because when the shootout, when the fake shootout is happening and the German gets shot, it's, like, genuinely surprising. And then the shootout happens and they all get killed. It's, like, really, really intense, that moment. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was so, so effective. And so interesting, like, to have that there. And just the setup, this whole setup where they're trying to hatch a plan together with the enemy to avoid conflict. Yeah. So, like, it's just, it's really interesting. I've just never kind of encountered, like, a war movie like that before. Yeah, I think a couple movies, like, that are touchstones for me in terms of, like, detente kind of mm-hmm. movies are um, Joyeux Noël, which was a World War One movie, but that's about French and German, and I think English, I think maybe all three of them are, like, in the same uh, place, and they have, a um, like, a Christmas detente. Mm-hmm. They all just agree to, like, put down their... Yeah, which is the thing that happens. That is the thing that happens, yeah. But not in World War Two, I don't think. Yeah, and uh, also War Horse. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw that. It's not a favorite movie of mine, mm-hmm. but... <laughs> There's this scene where the war horse in question, like, runs out between French and German troops during mm-hmm. World War Two, And so then they both, like, stop what they're doing to save. And they each each uh, uh, group sends one, one man to go in and help save the horse. Mm-hmm. And then the two men, like, you know, become allies during the year or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Pals. Yeah. Yes. In the name of saving the horse, and they both go back to their own sides. And so both those two movies kind mm-hmm. of remind me of this. Yeah, that's interesting. Both came out after this movie. I wonder, like, how many filmmakers have seen A Midnight Clear. Like, if it's, like... I don't know. Yeah, because, I mean, even if it wasn't, like, you know, 
uh, popular in the box yeah. office. Some movies resonate more with film people. Yeah. I don't know. I just thought it was interesting. And, like, the sort of surreal aspects, like the frozen soldiers and the mm-hmm. disappearing Germans and all that stuff. And, like, the floating voices. Yeah, those Germans were real creepy. It was kind of like the others in Lost. Uh-huh. And, yeah, and Lost, like, the whole um, I don't know, season one, season two. Like, they just keep hearing these whispers all over. Yeah. Yeah. It's spooky. Yeah. It's just interesting. I thought it was good. I liked it. Recommend. Yeah. Woodwreck. Yeah, I mean, I don't really recommend war movies generally, but... <laughs> well, because a lot of people don't like them. Yeah, but it was, like, fine. I just... I do think, like, having Ethan Hawke narrate is, Yeah, like, there were some choices that I didn't yeah. love, which I kind of wonder if, like, did I just like the plot or did I actually yeah. like the movie? Yeah. Because the plot was really the good. Plot but it's like, was okay, good. the plot was the book. So what, did I just like the plot... Like, could you just read the book and be more satisfied yeah, than you were yeah, watching yeah. the movie? Yeah, because, like, if there's just straight... Yeah, because the plot is mostly what I liked about the movie. Some of the other decisions about it that I didn't love, like the voiceover. Maybe I'm just getting burnt out, but honestly, like... You're already getting burnt out on Ethan Hawke movies? No, 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 on him having voiceovers. Oh, yeah. Um... Yeah, I just don't even... I don't even know how many where he really did have voiceovers. I don't think it was... Maybe one or two other ones. But. Yeah. Well, Mystery Day for sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I I agree. I just... Although, I mean, like, there's interesting visuals and, like... Yeah, yeah. I think there were a lot of things that were good about the movie. I just, yeah, the voiceover thing I didn't love. But I, I mean, it's like, it's, like, literary, and they were clearly going for a very literary thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, overall, I think it was solid movie. I think it uh, also it'll be interesting to see how our concept of like what a good movie it is like how that changes throughout the course of this podcast. Yeah. Because so far what we have to compare the movies to, if we're just thinking about movies we've seen, like this one is one of the best. Yeah. Because the other movies we watched were Explorers and Dad and yeah. White Fang. You know. And the worst one, which was Mystery Day. And Mystery Day, yeah. Yeah. So this movie's looking pretty good right now. Yeah, yeah. But I think as we as we progress Well also a lot of them are gonna feel less dated. Yeah, as we as we get closer to the present. Yes, yes. All the movies you've seen so far. But I think there's like a particular time in like movie making when things felt a little dated. Yeah. Things Well, I think when we aged more poorly or whatever. Digital, I think that I think that movies feel different. And when we switch to digital from film. Yeah, but I mean sort of like some of the choices that were being made. Well, like I think the, a lot of the choices that were made were because we were because shooting on, on film. film. You're limited, but you're so, like, a film so is when beautiful, was the but it's... Um, that's a great question. Like, would this movie have been shot on digital? Hmm. So, like beginning in the 1980s but like that's like not really when everyone switched to digital Mm -hmm. yeah 1996 was the world was rainbow the world's first film utilizing extensive digital post-production techniques 1996 96 yeah and um the big one that's cited here is uh phantom menace star wars phantom menace oh wow 1999 
Right. So. But so, but I yeah, I'm more, I'm more talking about like the like 80s, 90s movies. Yeah. No, I know, but I'm saying that's when the switch was. Right, but this is that this was, was before. This and is 92. This is, yeah. This movie is 92. Yeah, I'm saying that like Oh, you think that before this movie, it feels different? Like, there's a big change from the movies we've watched to A Midnight No, Clear? I'm just saying the movies we've watched so far all feel kind of dated. Yeah, that's what I'm saying, too. But I'm, I I, think that they have a similar feeling because they were all shot on film. Oh. Oh, I see. Like, a lot of movies that feel dated, like, feel dated because filmmakers were limited by shooting on film the amount of time you had to shoot like the kind of things you could do like there were so i just think there are so many limitations yeah but i mean comparing this with movies that were made in like the 70s or so i think there were a lot of movies that were made before this era of movies that don't feel as dated they look older Mm -hmm. because of how like things worked Mm -hmm. but they don't feel as dated like there's a specific thing about these kinds of movies like can you give an example? Of well, like, like the voiceover thing, and like some of the the way that they, the way that they use music in these movies, like mm-hmm. the what was the one we were watching, that had really over the top. Oh, Dad mm-hmm. had like this kind of over the top right. score. Really, saccharine. that kind of yeah storytelling, like the kind of movie that Dad is, I feel like is stuck in a very specific moment in time that didn't really exist prior to that, like in the seventies or whatever. I kind of Early I 80s. think I think that that kind of movie did exist in the seventies and eighties. It's just that like, because we're situated as people that lived in the nineties two thousands, that like we haven't seen like those sure. kinds of movies wouldn't have gotten to us because we would be prioritizing movies from those decades that were better. But you don't think that there's like a kind of eighties nineties thing that was happening with movies? Yeah, no, I I do I do I just think that like. The specific things that you're citing, I think, were more widespread than just that particular time. But maybe I'm just mis- misunderstanding. No, I mean, I don't know. Like, I'm thinking of movies that, like, like Love Story. Mm-hmm. You know, Love Means Never it. Having to Say. Yeah, like, um, Ordinary People. I love that movie, but. Yeah, it, wasn't that around the same time? No, that was early. It was the 80s, early 80s. Okay, well, a few years apart. Anyway, well, we'll do a, when we're done with all of Ethan Hawke's movies, we can go back and just watch movies from before. (laughs) That'll be the premise of our podcast, Movies from Before. Yeah, Movies from Before, the hit podcast. Movies that have come out. (laughs) Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm just I don't looking mean at. To... No, it's fine. I'm just uh, deeply offended that you don't immediately agree <laughs> with me. No, I'm just kind of looking at like 1980s movies, Back to the Future, The Breakfast Club, Ghostbusters. Yeah, Aliens, I think that's different. E. That's different than what I thought you were talking about. Like, I think that those. Yes. Okay. This movie does not fit into those kinds of things. Yeah. Fine. <laughs> fine. No. Fine. It's fine. I don't really. It's fine. Because the kinds of things that you're talking about are, I mean, well, like, those list movies you just listed are all kind of about, like, many of them are science fiction or are about um, youth. Yeah. The, you know, 
but like the loss of youth in a kind of particular like uh, consumerist American way, mm-hmm. not like in a, like eighties consumerist American way, not like nineteen forties. I've become a man because I saw all of my friends die in war, kind of way. Yeah. So, so I think by having the movie set in the forties sets it apart for sure. Um, True. No, it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. I'm looking at a Equinox IMDb page. Mm-hmm. There are already a few things added. Oh my god, there's more? Yes. Jeez. Jeezy Louise. 2019, a movie called The Truth. I don't know if it's a movie. Blue, Appears blue, to be a movie. Uh, Cutthroat City, and then Tesla is being filmed, in which he's playing Nikola Tesla. Oh, that's fun. Can't wait. It's going to take us, like, five years to get there, though. Yeah. 100%. No, that's not true. If we stay on track, it should... Well, I don't know. Are we posting weekly or bi-weekly? What does that mean? Every other week. Okay. They need to figure that out. I know. They need to just pick one. Yeah, they need a second word. They need to A second prefix. They need to get all the members of the United Nations together... Just have an up and down vote. Although that wouldn't really work either because it's like different languages. Okay, get all of the English speaking nations together. This sounds very problematic. Get all the English speaking nations together. <laughs> uh huh. To have decide something for everyone. Yeah, just have an up and down vote. Bi weekly. What does it mean? Mm-hmm. And just well, in 50% the context... plus one and. Whatever they say, that's what it means now. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like the French. The French have something figured out right. Well, not exactly. But the French have, like, a council of people that uh-huh. decides what French is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They have, like, only 50,000 words or something. Yeah, whereas with English, it's like, just make shit up all the time. The French would have figured this... There's no problems like this in France. They don't have a bi-weekly problem. Because... Yeah, because you'd say, like, two times per week. You yeah. wouldn't even... There's not even, like, a word for... Because the French Council of Word People would not allow it. Yeah. The Jedi Council won't allow it. Yeah, you'd say twice, like twice in a week would be deux fois par semaine, and then once every other week would be une fois every other semaine. <laughs> you know. Yeah. What are you looking at? I'm looking at this next movie that we're supposed to watch. Maggie Gyllenhaal. Is Ethan Hawke in this movie? What, the next one? The Water... Waterland. Yeah. Uh, He's not built very high. At least on this listing. On one of the posters that I saw, he was like one of the faces on the poster. Okay, maybe you're right. I don't know. It seems that Jeremy Irons is the lead. I do love me some Jeremy Irons. Irons. Yeah. Um, Irons. Yeah, I... I think, like, mm, Batman, Jeremy Irons in the 80s, it's hard to be hotter than that. Like, he wears clothes so well, Batman. That's what my mom said to me the other day, and she's right. <laughs> I can visualize her saying that. Yeah. Um, yeah, because uh, for Mother's Day, further dating 
our, ourselves. Yeah. For Mother's Day, uh, my parents and I did a Meryl-thon where we watched Meryl Streep movies. Mm-hmm. And one of those movies was... Uh, Oh, the French Lieutenant's Woman, which I didn't really enjoy that much, but that title is not working. Yeah, it's weird. It's too long. Yeah, it's the just... French Lieutenant's. It's three things. Yeah, three just the French Lieutenant's Woman. 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 Yeah, singular. The French. Can you imagine like going to the box office? I'll have a ticket for the French Lieutenant's Woman. <laughs> <laughs> I've forgotten how to say. I've forgotten how to say the word woman. I'll have a ticket for the French Lieutenant's Woman. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing too Und much. Ticket? It's my German. <laughs> French <laughs> Lieutenant's Woman? Yeah. Um, it's too many words. It's like the rear juror. Rear juror. Yeah. So, any final thoughts? Rock and roll, man. About Ethan Hawke. Rock and about roll. About this movie. Rock and roll. I liked it. I thought it was good. Great. That was a solid picture. I thought yeah, it was pretty it good a, in it. I'd give it a solid B plus. Sure. To A minus. Sure. Somewhere in there. Like a 90. No, it's a little high. That feels high. B plus. <laughs> I'm thinking of all movies that have ever happened. Yeah. And A minus seems high for this movie. Yeah. On the graded scale of uh, the movies we've seen so far, though. Yeah. It's in the 100th percentile. Or the 1th percentile, whatever. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, yeah, I think maybe on our website we should keep like our own um, ranked lists as we go. That would be fun. Like a Harper list and a Jonathan list. That's a fun idea. Yeah. Okay, let's do it. Yeah. Catch us on our website. Hawkeyes. Pod. I, well, uh, do we, have a we don't have a domain yet, so. Oh my god. Do you want to buy one? Do you want no. to deal with it? No. That's what I thought. So I'll get one when I get one. This is a very contentious episode. I feel <laughs> yeah, like. I feel like we're not having. No. A good time. No, not having a good time. <laughs> I'm crying, bro. Though. I'm straight up not having a good time. I'm crying. Is it my fault? Yeah. Um, what's something you're enjoying in pop culture right now that's not Ethan Hawke related? What's something I'm enjoying? Yeah. It's 30 Rock rewatch. Yeah. Rewatching 30 Rock. Cool. I've not really been consuming much other me. I haven't been reading much. Mm-hmm. I've not been watching that many movies. Did we, what was the last movie? Did we go to movies? Yeah, I haven't seen movies in a while except for Ethan Hawke movies. Oh, I went to... Uh, oh, Endgame. Werner... Oh, uh, yeah. Whatever. I went to... Uh, screening of a Werner Herzog documentary mm-hmm. about Gorbachev called Meeting Gorbachev. And it was him meeting Gorbachev and talking. Cute. And Werner Herzog was there and he was very gracious. He answered like everyone's questions. Amazing. Even though people asked like, there, people kept asking him like about Russia today and about like politics mm-hmm. today, which like I really wish people would ask more questions about the movie. Yeah. Like be like, oh, what well, you know, how did like meeting Gorbachev happen? Like, how did this come about? Like questions like that, where it's like he can provide an answer that you couldn't just find somewhere else. Like mm-hmm. he, he could talk about it, give insights about it. It just kind of bothers me when people like try to force in things that you know. He's a movie director. He's not a, like a. I mean, he has interesting ideas about politics, obviously, but like to try to force him to talk about like oh Vladimir Putin or whatever. It's like 
I don't know. It just kind of doesn't serve the... Mm-hmm. But anyway, but he was very, very gracious. Like, he answered everyone's questions. He, like, had, like... Like, there was this... Uh, someone asked him, like, oh, advice for a filmmaker. And he's like, oh, just, like, steal stuff. That was his advice. He said that he got to start by faking... He's like, step one, fake shooting permits. Step two, like, steal equipment. Step three. Like, the, the, like his steps were all, like, just break some laws and get it done. Mm-hmm. Um, Incredible. Yeah. He's just a such guy. a such a cool and interesting guy. Yeah. Yeah. He just he seemed very nice. Like you, I don't know if you'd expect him to be nice, yeah. but he was just so gracious and so so nice to everyone. I didn't ask any questions, but um, you could have been the one to ask the relevant question about the movie. Yeah, that's what I would have wanted to know. Like how. I don't know. It was interesting. I recommend it. Check it out. Meeting Gorbachev. Cool. Playing nowhere near you. Will do. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's wrap it up. You don't want to ask me what I'm enjoying? Oh, what are you enjoying? <sighs> Nothing. <laughs> I'm in the depths of despair, Jonathan. <sighs> the depths of despair. Um, I'm listening to Pete Buttigieg's book. It's an audio book right now. Really dating us right now. Yeah. Well, no, it came out a while ago. Oh, I It's know. not, like, new. I mean, it's, like, new, but it's not, like, this week new. <laughs> it's within 35 years old <laughs> yeah yeah it's after they switched to digital <laughs> um <laughs> yeah um i think it's called a short the shortest way home it's pretty he's an interesting guy and he's just had an interesting life so far and he's only 35 or something crazy yeah he's very young and he's lived a lot well, he's worked a lot. Yeah. So I'm I'm just and he he did the he did he read it himself, the audiobook. That's cool. It's him. Yeah, like he's so busy all the time doing all this crazy press and he somehow found the time to record a 10-hour audiobook. Mhm. How? He really he truly does it all. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but we so don't talk about politics what, on the show. That's what Spoon said about him. Yeah, true. But he does it all because he was playing yeah. the song. I was well. The part that I met in the book, he was talking about how, um, like the local like orchestra or symphony, um, they like to have you know like political figures come and like participate, like a guest conductor or whatever. But they knew that he played piano, so they asked him to like play with them. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, he was talking. He was talking about his experience doing that, and also like how he learned music growing up. That's cool. Yeah, because his mom didn't think that sports was going to be his way to college. So she was like, maybe you could get a music scholarship, learn the piano. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. Mayor um, Pete, if you're listening. Yeah, Mayor love Pete. Love to have you on the show. Yeah, we'd love to have you on the show. Let us, uh, Let us email us LA. at Hawkeye's Pod. He was just here. Oh, okay. Yeah, for their dating us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, he was just here. But yeah, if you uh, love an Ethan Hawk movie and you want to... You know, drop us a message about your thoughts on any Ethan Hawke movie. We will gladly share them on the show. Yeah. Okay, well, this has been hot, guys. This has been a weird episode, I think. Um, but thanks for sticking around, hanging out, listening. I'm just going to play a little of our theme outro or something. Bump it. <laughs> 
This episode was produced by Harper Thompson and myself, Jonathan Zavaleta. It was edited by Harper Thompson, and our intro music, Hawk Song, is written and recorded by Connor Vance.